Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. Christmas Story gets shown every year for 24 straight hours, um, starting at 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve night on TBS, and it will be again this year. And, you know, I love that movie, and I it is, it's always on in the background um, for me every year. It's just like, put that on, I'll just jump in wherever. I know it by heart at this point. At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Cats, and I want to welcome you again to the podcast that does its best to keep you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Please welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, Jen Chaney. Hello. And this week's special guest critic, one of our favorite friends, the founder of Punch Drunk Critics, also seen and heard on WETA's Around Town. You know him, you love him. Give it up for Travis Hobson. Where's the there where, he is. where's the where's the canned applause and cheers? That's what I want to hear when it's, <laughs> it's announced. That's what I want. <laughs> the last movie critic on TV. <laughs> there aren't that many of us, is there? Oh, there aren't. And finally, yes, you want it, you want him, you love him, and he's busy with that snow shovel. But he's given us enough time to do the podcast today, live from North Carolina. It's Arch Campbell. Down in the mountains of North Carolina, but uh, in my heart, I'm in D.C. and happy to see Travis and Jen. And I think that Tom Cruise seems to be on everybody's mind. Shall we start with that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Travis. Uh, well, uh, well, yeah. So yesterday, uh, leaked audio was released of Tom Cruise uh, screaming at the Mission Impossible Seven crew for basically breaking uh, COVID-19 safety protocols. And Cruz can be heard in this thing. I mean, he's going off. He's dropping F-bombs everywhere, left and right. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies, producers, and they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again, ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're I feel like he's been caught doing stuff like this before in the past. I can't remember what the movie was that he did it before, that he got caught yelling at somebody and basically destroyed some poor person. But, um, but you know, I feel like if he was more diplomatic, these things would never get released and these things would never get leaked and it would be a non-story. But, uh, but basically he's not really upset about the safety protocols themselves. He's more upset about the fact that there's all this responsibility heaped on this big project and, you know, and just they, people are relying on them. Jobs are on the line. I mean, he really goes off. He tears into these people. And I don't know how that set's going to be uh, today. <laughs> right. Well, what was interesting to me was the response to it because I saw some people like Eric Deggins at NPR saying like, you know, this is going to be terrible for him. But the majority of reactions I, I, I read were like, yeah, good for him for yelling at those people for not doing what they're supposed to do. And, and I think it was really a reflection of people are so frustrated by those who are not uh, being as mindful as they should be that his his rage, which I think was, to your point, um, not the best way to handle that situation, uh, but it, it was 
for them, it was an outlet for whatever they've been feeling. And my understanding of what happened was that two people were just standing too close to each other around a monitor. They, I believe they were still masked if, if the accounts I read are accurate. So it was it was a violation, but it wasn't, it wasn't like people were running around without a mask on or doing something really, really flagrantly bad. But I, I, I think it's to your point, it's it's less about I'm so concerned for everybody's safety than it is like I I I alone I Tom Cruise alone am responsible for holding up the entire entertainment industry. Yeah. I mean that that's what I, and I mean it it's it was reflected in the in the kind of video he did earlier this year where he was like it's fine to go to the movies look at me um, yeah. and now it's like two people are standing <laughs> too close to each other oh my god everything's wrong like it's, I forgot it's, about that video where he showed where he showed himself going to watch Tenet by himself in the theater <laughs> I forgot about that video I mean that's what he said. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't begrudge the idea that he wants, you know, the movie industry to stay strong. I mean, of course we all do, but I, I think as concerned as he may be, I, I think there's always a little bit of megalomania underneath all that. Yes, of course. He's also, you think? Forget, he's, a producer, <laughs> he's a producer on this movie too. He's not just right. a star. And I think underneath all this stuff he's talking about is, this is about money, you guys. Uh, we can't afford to blow this. And, you know, so, I mean, he's got a lot invested in these movies. And, well, know, and what I hear, it. Travis, is that uh, the community in L.A. is really uh, freaked out because of the amount of layoffs and mm -hmm. cutbacks and executives uh, tossed out. And uh, I understand it's pretty grim out there. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, I don't know. Well, I mean, they, I guess they had no problem seeing Wonder Woman 1984 out there, though. So I guess it can't be but that bad. But uh, but uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of the same thing uh, from from people out there that is just really kind of grim. Travis, we always like to ask our guests, what kind of a future do you see for uh, film and entertainment uh, as we change our habits I, I don't know man i mean we had this this huge announcement from warner brothers well what they're doing for next year um i think they may have jumped the gun on that a little bit um you've seen the reactions from from not only theater owners but from their own actors and directors not happy about this move i feel like they probably should have gone to done it uh maybe bit by bit and project by project rather than saying we're just going to do this blanket the entire year and now we've seen disney announce basically 30 40 projects checks all for Disney Plus. I mean, it just seems, I don't know what the future holds. I really don't. I mean, the vaccine's around the corner, so maybe people will be you know, inclined to, to go back out into theaters again. But, you know, it's going to be a long time and people may have got grown accustomed to having things catered to them at home now. And I don't know if that's going to be something that's easily to, to turn around. I, th I think what's happening is we are seeing Oscar contenders on Netflix and at home rather than uh, in the movies. And for instance, uh, this week, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom arrives on Netflix on Friday and everything I hear is this is quite uh, an Oscar contender. What do you think of the movie? I really loved it. I, I, I think like most people, I was concerned about Chadwick Boseman kind of going out on a high note. Like you want to see his final screen role be something 
worthy of him. And I think he really gets a great role to sink into here uh, as a as a really ambitious jazz musician going up against Viola Davis's Ma Rainey, you know, and it's it's not easy to stand in uh, Viola Davis's uh, spotlight. Right. Um, yeah. She's and she's a really fierce uh, gives a really fierce performance in this, too. But Chadwick Boseman is right there with him, man. I really think he's great in this. It's a role that shows all of his talents. He's smooth. He's slick. He's also at times vulnerable when he needs to be. I think it's a really great role for him, and it's a it's a movie that I really enjoyed. So, Jen, is this the movie of the year? I don't know if it's the movie of the year necessarily, but I completely agree with what Travis just said, particularly about Chadwick Boseman's performance. I mean, it's just it's an extraordinary piece of work, and as I said, I think on last week's podcast, I think it would have been extraordinary under any circumstance, but the fact that it's also his last performance and in those moments of vulnerability that that um, Travis was talking about, you know, it's hard not to think about what he was personally going through and bringing to the performance because of that. Right. And I think it's all the more powerful for that reason. But but would have been powerful anyway. It's it's um, if he doesn't get nominated for that, I will be utterly shocked. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. And I'm also really interested in seeing how they how um, Viola Davis's performance is treated. I mean, there are parallels to her to Ma Rainey and Viola Davis's careers in this. You remember Viola Davis kind of. You know, she went through a whole thing where she she talked about you know getting paid what she's worth for the the best the best actress performances that she was giving right alongside other actresses and not really you know being treated like them. And Ma Rainey went through her career uh, <laughs> going through the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to be paid what she's worth and and uh, being and you know owing to an industry that has built her career, but they also rely on her and she relies on them as a sort of parasitic relationship, you know. But uh, there are parallels there that I think are intentional and I'm, I'm curious to see how what the reaction is once the movie is seen by a wider audience. I mean and you, and you see that in the movie a lot of there are a lot of you know moments where they address that specifically of you know she she doesn't want to be mistreated and and uh, you know some people could see her as being like quote-unquote difficult yeah, but yeah. when you understand the extent to which she was being taken advantage of she was she was very strong and 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 assertive in in a lot of important ways yeah. uh, and you're absolutely right there are parallels between her and, and viola davis her character understands the game she understands her part mm-hmm. in it yeah uh one of the interesting things is bozeman's character does not quite understand that yet like he yeah. doesn't get it and that's one of the really central conflicts of the movie (laughs) right well i imagine it will be the number one trending uh film on netflix this week last week's number one trender was the prom which uh jen and i were looking forward to jen what you think of the prom i i don't remember saying i was looking forward to it Uh, (laughs) and and to that point i still haven't gotten around to watching it (laughs) but i'm curious to hear what you thought i watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it and did not expect to enjoy it and uh the thing i loved about it is uh the playfulness with which they tell a musical story of a young girl who wants to uh, bring her girlfriend to the prom and and the prom uh, is held uh, without her and uh, so this group of narcissistic Broadway liberals led by Meryl Streep and James Corden come to this little town in Indiana and uh, and put on a show and put on a prom for her and uh, the line that sticks out to me 
And the reason I say it's so playful is they promised to change America one lesbian at a time, <laughs> <laughs> which is so they had yeah. great fun with it. And it's by no means a great movie, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. What about you, Travis? What'd yeah, you say? It, it's a fun movie. I, I'll admit this isn't the sort of thing I normally like race to, but I was, <laughs> I think, and I think at this point of the year, I was kind of eager to have something that was that was just you know just fun and you know a, a big broad broadway musical um, was something i think i was just in the mood for at the time so i really had i really enjoyed it uh i watched a some good chunk of it again and i you know found some issues with it later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I i look it's ryan murphy i'm always going to find issues with ryan murphy i don't particularly like him uh this is his first feature since eat pray love it's been a long time and i think he has issues with pace i still think he does not know he can't stay on a frame for more than half a second he just can't do it <laughs> he, he puts so many he, he puts so much into his movies that that they just become overstuffed he puts too much into his shows that they become overstuffed. I tried to watch The Politician uh, and I was like, just there's too many things going on. And it, it, sometimes the prom kind of feels like that too. There's just, there are subplots on top of subplots on top of subplots. And it's just so many they things. They could happening. easily take 15 minutes. They out. could take a Easy. lot of it out. Maybe 30 but, minutes. But the, but the, but then the, like the musical numbers are really, are really a treat. And I re surprisingly, I really enjoyed Keegan Michael Key's performance. Yes. I never thought I'd see a, a, a movie where Keegan Michael Key got to make out with Meryl Street, but I got to see that. <laughs> um, so that's there. Um, yeah, the movie's fun. It's enjoyable. It's not something you're going to think about a whole lot afterwards, but yeah. There's a young actress, Joe Ellen Pellman, whom I'm not familiar with, who manages to hold her own with all of those big uh, stars. And uh, I just came away saying, oh, this wasn't as bad as I thought, <laughs> or this is better than I thought. So, yeah. so there, there, there have are. been some other musicals this year that haven't been as as good, like like Valley Girl and stuff like that. But this one is actually yeah. pretty enjoyable. So, uh, what is new this week, Jim? Just a couple things to mention. One is actually a, a something I didn't mention last week that I would encourage people to watch, which is this new documentary on HBO about the Bee Gees. Um, it's called uh, how, "How Can You Mend a Broken Heart," named after their famous pop song. How can you stop the rain from falling down? It was directed by Frank Marshall, the famous uh, producer and director. And it's it's really a look at the history of of the group. Um, but it's it's really, really well done and it and it really um it it analyzes certain things with a really critical eye, including the disco movement, how they came to write those Saturday Night Fever songs and, and how, you know, the Bee Gees were, those songs became sort of emblematic of that era, but they were not in any way, you know, involved in the disco movement. In fact, they wrote those songs very quickly in a chateau outside of Paris. Uh, couldn't be as farther away from uh, Brooklyn as, as, as possible. And, um, and it also looks at sort of the, the backlash against it. And there's a wonderful montage where they're kind of toggling between 
the Bee Gees on tour in July of 79, playing a sold out, you know, arena or actually Coliseum uh, in Oakland. And then the, the famous Comiskey Park night where everybody was supposed to bring disco albums to destroy and oh, to burn. disco sucks chance. And, you know, really calling that what it was, uh, as one of the people in the movies says, it was a, it was a racist and homophobic book burning. I mean, people were bringing records that were just by black artists that were not even disco records, Stevie Wonder, stuff like that. So it, it, it gives you a lot of perspective on the, on the band and, and their talent, but it also gives you some perspective on that era. And um, I've been happy to see a lot of people finding it and really enjoying it. On HBO, right? Yes, on HBO. And I'm sure you can find it on HBO Max now as well, since it's it's already aired. Yeah. Um, and but, I am uh, thinking briefly, if you don't mind, uh, there was mm -hmm. a time in the 70s when uh, when I was working at NBC and WKYS became a disco radio station. You remember when KISS was disco? Joe Cipriano, 93.9, WKYS, Washington. It's high noon. NBC Radio News. This is Cameron Swayze reporting. Driving down the uh, driveway to uh, NBC, there was a sign that said, Bump. And someone went out and added on KYS, <laughs> which, which I think sums up that era. Who are these BGs and what is it? <laughs> I, I don't know what any of this stuff is. You're kidding. I am kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm old. I'm old too, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then a, another thing to mention coming this week, as of Thursday, CBS All Access is going to debut the new version of The Stand, um, which has been made into a miniseries before, back in the, in the 90s, but this is a... Mm -hmm. A longer miniseries, nine episodes, uh, with a really great cast. You know, James Marsden, uh, Whoopi Goldberg playing Mother Abigail, Alexander Sarsgaard. Yeah, uh, so a lot of good people in it. I've watched six episodes and I reviewed it. And I think it has real problems. Um, I think the way that it's structured, they're doing a lot of flashbacks and, and it's sometimes it's hard to kind of remember where you are in time. And for, for, for something that should be so relevant because this is about a pandemic, at least initially, like it, it just, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't quite work, unfortunately. But I'll be curious to see how Stephen King fans respond to it. Well, Stephen King is writing like the final episode. Yeah, he? he is. So I mean, that's going to be interesting. I mean, right. I, this is something that's been in the works for so long. It's supposed to be a movie at first, a two-part movie with the same director, Josh Boone, uh, the guy who just did New Mutants. So make of that what you will. Um, <laughs> but right. uh, but yes, I mean, I, I, I've, I've always felt like the stand was just so was was just too big. I, I don't I don't know if there's any good way Way to do it. I mean, I've never. I mean, even the the, the original miniseries, I, I think, has issues. I just don't. I, I think that story is just too much. It's just too yeah. much for a nine episode miniseries, which seems like it should be enough room to do anything. I don't think it is. Right. And I, I had the I had the feeling watching it the whole time, like this is both condensing too much, and also taking way too long. And yeah. and and it's weird to have that feeling wow. that, that that's what it is. At least it's not like wow. the Dark Tower where they tried to fit everything in like a single movie. At least it's not that. I guess. I, I you know what I was thinking about the Dark Tower when I was watching this, obviously because the Randall Flagg's character carried yeah. over into that. Yeah. And I was like, I saw that movie and I want to say I remember absolutely nothing about it. I don't remember I'm, anything of it. I'm certain that I went. 
I don't, I don't remember, remember anything of that movie, man. And you know what? <laughs> they don't show that movie. Like I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about movies that just don't get shown. Like they just don't play them. Mm-hmm. Like like The Stand is one of those movies. Like it's just not shown. And I was like, <laughs> like that and the 2015 Fantastic Four. Like it just doesn't get shown. Like they don't. It's not on HBO. It's not on TNT. Yeah, people still talk that. about the Fantastic Four, though. I feel like Dark Tower, it's like, we're just all pretending it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're doing that thing. With, so. Yeah, but it's we're, we might not ever see that movie again until they remake it. <laughs> they remake it. So, <laughs> Travis, what, what are you watching these days? Um, besides wrestling? Uh, not a lot. Um, <laughs> what do I ever watch? Um, no, I mean... I- <laughs> I get like 20 hours of wrestling to watch a week. I'm 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 getting through the Queen's Gambit right now. I'm I'm behind to the party on that one. Like, and I'm into it like everybody else. It's it's extraordinary. I mean, I'm like, I'm like some. I've never played chess in my life, and yet I always love chess movies and chess shows. Like, Searching for Bobby Fischer is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, I just I love anything with chess in it, even though I can't play chess. So uh, yeah, I think it's just a great series. That's <laughs> that's that is one of the shows you hear a uh, reaction to along with the undoing and uh the crown i'm amazed so, by the number of people that if that I, that I would never expect to watch the queen's gambit who have watched mm-hmm. the queen's gambit and absolutely love it like people i know who don't watch anything but action movies and and you know stuff like that and cartoons have somehow found their way to the Queen's Gambit and everyone loves it. It's 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 not often that a series hits like that that everybody seems to seems to really enjoy. Well, how about you, Lou? What what are they watching in the cats? household these days besides cats <laughs> no no cats here i will tell you arch i, I started uh, a, a couple weeks ago a long put off project of going through over three dozen home video eight millimeter tapes and i'm now converting oh, wow. them to digital and then this is going back to when our children were born and so to be perfectly honest with you i haven't been in front of the tube much but i have been in front of the computer in my old uh, camcorder dubbing over and converting a bunch of family things. As we get on video, well, we really love you, Daddy. Bye-bye. Do you love Daddy Bunny? Yeah. Wow. I'm looking forward to uh, getting that Something project. for the History Channel, maybe? <laughs> You know they got they got they got they got a service you can just send your tapes over to somebody. And oh, I know, but that's you. you know, Travis, that's much too save, easy and much too expensive. Much, much too expensive with all the tapes that I've got. <laughs> so I'm I'm cheaping out and doing it myself, and I have a little more control over it, anyways. But that is what I'm basically watching: family cats, family videos from years gone by. And uh, how about the world of Hound Radio? What's in that? Well, it's filled with Bethesda bagels. <laughs> oh, love it. I like bagels, big around. Please bring me the finest bagels in town. And you'll find those at Bethesda Bagels. You'll also find them playing Hound Radio at their downtown Bethesda location. Owner Steve Fleischman and the staff know how to make a great bagel, and they also know a great radio station when they hear one. Thanks, folks, for aiming your dough covered ears at Hound Radio. 
the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. Okay, a couple of things to talk about. Uh, the first is the passing of John Le Carre, uh, who has uh, uh, received quite a lot of, uh, of accolades and uh, remembrances in the days since he died. And I was surprised or uh, interested to find out that at least 15 movies have been made uh, of his work, starting with The Spy Who Came In From The Cold and going right on down to Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy and what was that thing uh, Gary Oldman was in? Smiley's People? He was in Smiley's People, but but, uh, but he was in Tinker Tailor, wasn't he? Wasn't he, he was, Tinker? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the movie of Tinker Tailor, which yeah. was TV and, and a movie. And One of my favorite uh, movies of all time was a Lecary adaptation. It's uh, The Constant Gardener with Ray Fiennes and Rachel. Mm. It was extraordinary. I loved that movie to death. Any uh, any thoughts on uh, on his the films of his work? I wonder if they would make them today well they still are i mean a few, a few years ago with philip seymour hoffman it was um uh geez i can't remember the name of it and i remember seeing it at sundance they still make them they just did the night manager series based on like, oh yeah oh right, right. won a bunch of emmys i believe yeah and i, I that was he, a good series he had such a uh, huge body of work i just feel like he's somebody that they will continue adapting his work and readapting it you know over the years i think i think we'll be seeing that for a long time i feel like we're they're gonna they're gonna create the liquor a cinematic universe someday like like so <laughs> like someone's gonna come around and do something similar to that uh using his 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 novels and stuff like that they'll, they'll create that and the uh the national film registry lists their uh important films about this time every year and uh, I guess I can I could read you the entire list. Uh, people seem particularly interested that they added the Joy Luck Club to it, which uh, is a film I certainly remember uh, enjoying. And uh, I think uh, there was a, a dearth of films with uh, Asian themes until Crazy Rich Asians. Any of that, you want me to read the list? Uh, yeah, I don't know the list. So. <laughs> the Dark Knight's on it, right? Well, let's see. I think you're right, yeah. Blues Brothers, I don't yeah. get that. Cabin in the Sky, I like that. Clockwork Orange, The Dark Knight, The Devil Never Sleeps, Freedom Riders, mm. Grease, The Ground, The Hurt Locker, The Hurt Locker, That's I like that, Illusions, Joy Luck Club, Lilies of the Field, The Man with the Golden Arm, Outrage from 1950. I think that was an Ida Lupino directed uh, film noir. Uh, Shrek, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Yay. Among <laughs> others. Yeah, they can take Shrek out of there. They haven't put uh, they haven't put How High in there yet, have they? How High hasn't gotten in there yet, right? Is that still? Or just still too recent? They can't put it in there yet? They I don't know. I, I'll say this. Like, <laughs> I was quite surprised. I, I just thought A Clockwork Orange was already in there. Um, yeah. 
And also, it took us this long to put grease in there? <laughs> what is happening? What? Why, why did we have to, We it, like, we finally got to Shrek and Grease at the same time? Like, how did, <laughs> how did they do this? Did they do this like the like the Baseball Hall of Fame? Like, you got to be, what? like, 10 years out, and then, like, you only get, like, a window of time, like, you when you're available, when you're when you're in there, and if you don't get in, you're gone for, for good. Like, that's how it should be. <laughs> like, if you don't get in five years, you don't get in. It's supposed to be representative of cultural significance, and I don't, I don't know what the parameters are. I, I mean, if maybe some of these films were considered before, like you said, or like with the Rock Hall, where certain people get nominated over and over, and then they don't ever get in. It takes them like ten years. I don't know yeah. what the deal is with with the film registry, but I really, I really want to know how that process works. And now I'm interested in it, kind of. I mean, I guess if it is about cultural things, come back around all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why you get something like the Joy Luck Club, Joy Luck Club, which comes back in there now, as we're seeing. Uh, Asian Asian American cinema become more prominent again. Um, I, I can understand that in a sense. Why is Shrek in there now? Get Shrek out of there. <laughs> Come on, man. It probably shouldn't be there at all, period. But I mean, but why now? Travis, don't yeah, you care well, about why? ogre representation? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I care about good animated film representation and Shrek shouldn't be there. <laughs> uh, it's the Library of Congress, so... I don't understand it either. Well, now on this part of the podcast, Jen throws a a curve or two at us with something she calls flashbacks and favorites. So last week we talked about our favorite holiday movies. Today, I want to ask if you can think of some of your favorite holiday episodes of television. Ooh. Oh, Marable Children's. Christmas episode. Uh, <laughs> wow, I was not expecting that one. I, I love, like, I love Mary with Children, and uh, I, I used to watch that series religiously. And uh, yeah, uh, Al Bundy in uh, in the Santa suit, perfect. He's such a <laughs> such a bad Santa esque kind of guy. <laughs> it makes it perfect. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. No food was a stirring, not even a mouse. (laughs) Stockings were hung round Dad's neck like a tie, (laughs) along with a note that said, presents or die. You know, that's a movie we forgot last week, Bad Santa. Yeah. Which is kind of gaining traction over the years. Uh, you guys didn't talk about Fat Man with Mel Gibson as Santa Claus? You guys didn't talk about that? No, I'm trying. That's uh, like like uh, the Dark Tower. I'm trying to pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but my mind immediately went to the Seinfeld uh, Festivus oh, yeah. uh, episode. Dear son, happy Festivus? What is Festivus? It's nothing. It's nothing. When George was growing Jerry, up, no. his father no. hated all the commercial and religious aspects of Christmas, yeah. so he made up his own holiday. Oh, and another piece of the puzzle falls into place. A Festivus for the rest of us! The thing I love about it is uh, the airing of the grievances. Yeah. <laughs> we need those this year. We need to have we, a long, long yes. airing. We, haven't we had enough airing of grievances this year? We've <laughs> <laughs> been festivus all year. <laughs> I just, I think that was brilliant. The, you know, talk about bad Santa, just the anti-Christmas. Uh, so, so that's where I'm going. Very well, nice. I have two to mention one is the christmas episode of the wonder years where kevin is trying to Mm. buy a present for winnie uh, and and desperately wants a television and his father refuses to get one uh i love that and it has a beautiful ending that always makes me cry 
And then the very, very first, you know, non-short, like true episode of The Simpsons was a Christmas episode. And I think I had seen The Simpsons before on Tracy Ullman, but that was really the first time I sat, remember sitting down and watching it. And I, it, it all seems quaint now, but at the time I was like, how are they allowed to do this? Like Bart saying, you know, who the hell are you? And like, there was just the language in it. It was just very irreverent. And I was just, I watched it over and over and over again. Cause I just immediately was drawn in by it. Were, were there any Christmas episodes of Lost? Well, you know, the constant is sort of a Christmas episode because when Desmond calls Penny, it's Christmas where she is. So I kind of think of that in addition to being, you know, the quintessential episode of that series. That's the Christmas episode. Yeah. Okay. I was curious. I couldn't remember if I had if I'd seen one or not. So yeah. I don't know if anybody would know it'd be you. So. Lou, you got a Christmas show you love? I was thinking the Festivus thing with Seinfeld too. So you and I were on the on the on the same holiday level with that one. That was that was classic classic material. I do have to say I I, I am slightly more partial to the Seinfeld episode where with the Christmas card where Elaine accidentally shows her nipples. Like that's a that's a. I think that's a funnier <laughs> episode. Right. <laughs> A hint of pink. <laughs> Hold on, I got I got to get on YouTube and find that one. <laughs> no, that, that's a good one. So, uh, should we throw in some best bets for the weekend? We've talked about a lot of stuff. Jen, what are you especially uh, recommending this weekend? Uh, I would like to recommend if people haven't gone back and watched The Flight Attendant on HBO Max, mm -hmm. that is a, a really fun series. And the, the, the finale is dropping this week. And um, I watched it last night and it, it, it has a lot of surprises in it that just come out of mm -hmm. left field that I was not expecting. Uh, and uh, Kaylee Cuoco does a great job in that show. If you haven't watched it and if after the undoing, you're, you're feeling like, oh, I wish I could fi find a show that, you know, has a mystery involved that that like really strings it out in a, in a more satisfying way the flight attendant that's only on hbo max right that's correct it's an hbo max like original series yeah i had a friend who was really interested in that show so yeah i, I kind of want to see it too was she a flight attendant <laughs> no or a steward no, the only guy you said was i don't know how many flight attendants are left anymore yeah <laughs> right <Wow. laughs> right <laughs> Travis, what are you recommending yeah. this weekend? Well, you know, what's coming out this week is uh, Greenland with uh, with Gerard Butler. Um, and surprisingly, it's kind of good. <laughs> it's not just your typical disaster movie with Gerard Butler running to save the world. It's not Geostorm or anything like that. It's actually a pretty decent movie. It does deal with a comet that's you know headed towards Earth that's going to destroy everything, but it's not so much about that as it is about him trying to be reunited with his family um, and trying to keep them together. Uh, so it, it kind of keeps its eyes downward, you know, kind of street level, which I think is really cool. Um, and it's a really decent role for him where he's not trying to play the big tough hero like in the, you know, Angel has Fallen movies or anything like that. It's it's something different for him. It's actually pretty good. Uh, my review of that's going up in a few minutes. Who's like, get off of this show? Oh, guys. cool. <laughs> I'm post, good. Post my review. But uh, yeah, that's, that was worth checking out. .com, right? Yeah, and that's going to be on uh, Premium VOD uh, this week. So you should be able to check it out. Uh, a few weeks ago, I uh, mentioned, and I want to mention again, I stumbled onto a documentary called Diane. 
Diana in her own words. It's on Netflix, and it's sort of a companion piece to The Crown, and it's a terrific documentary on the life and the episodes of uh, Princess Diana. And, uh, and it was one of those things that I found, one of those sidebars that I just found fascinating. One of the things I, I'm enjoying as an old guy who's been around is sitting around watching things with my iPad and looking up the historic references uh, as I go. So, uh, so that's what I got. Cool. All right. Good. And Jim, next week uh, should be uh, quite a flood of material. Uh, yeah. I mean, even though, you know, most of us are not going to theaters, we're still getting a lot of movies next week. Wonder Woman is going to be... Uh, dropping the new uh, Pixar movie. Um, Soul. Soul, thank yeah. you, is going to be dropping the new Clooney movie, Midnight Sky. So there's a, there's a lot to talk about next week. News of the world with Tom Hanks as well. Yep. Right. A lot of stuff. Busy, busy month of December, mm-hmm. as always. And, and what does that bode for January? <laughs> uh, a lot of horror movies in January, as usual. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, everything's kind of Everything's kind of weird right now. I was telling somebody that I've had a harder time this year keeping track of everything because everything has two uh-huh. or three different dates. <laughs> there's a streaming date and there's a theatrical date. And then in some cases, there's a return to theaters date. You know, it's just like, I can't keep up with when's, what's coming out when or what anymore. So it's just whatever. <laughs> So, Lou, how should we wrap today up? Well, you were talking earlier about the bump on KYS back in the <laughs> 70s during the disco era. And I'm, I'm really glad that Jen did bring up the uh, Bee Gees documentary. So let's rewind the musical clock as we wrap up this podcast <laughs> and go back to December 7th of 1977 when this Bee Gees song was the number one hit in America, Staying Alive. <laughs> Let's all try to do that and we'll catch you next week. <laughs> well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Music loud. Women walk. I've been kicked around since I was born. I'll never tolerate. I don't care. And you may look the other way. But we can try to understand. And do your time. I'm back on there.
This is the CATS Podcasting System.